What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, guys? Recognition News Podcast. My name is Solomon Ali at Recognition Noobs on Twitter. Here, joined by Forrest Walker and Ali Khan Bajani. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Hello. How you been, Ali Khan? I haven't, we haven't talked to you in like ages. Where have you been? Under a rock, man. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just got busy uh, applying to graduate school and stuff like that. So, but glad to be back, man. And I think I made my return at the right time with this really eventful off season. It seems like a lot of work, grad school. <laughs> but, um, yeah, as you said, it's been really eventful. Um, actually, I on, on podcasting this weekend, like around Saturday, because I thought like th- there's no way enough news items to pack on for us to record during the week, right? And let it, you know, today alone, like, like we have like four news items to cover just today. And like, Evers, like, I feel like I, I'm scared to go to sleep because I feel like I'm going to miss something. Like, I, I was literally tweeting about this today. Like, I, w- I was dead tired during the day. I was, I was going to take a mid-afternoon nap. And I was timing what would be the the least active time for me to take a nap. And, like, because I, I remember yesterday, I, w- I was out for a little bit, came back, and my phone blew up. Because um, I found out, like, a whole bunch of stuff happened. The, the Lakers traded for Brooke Lopez. All this, you know, stuff happened while I was away from my Twitter. So I'm trying... To prevent that from happening, we, we're actually monitoring our Twitter feeds uh, while this podcast is recording. If anything happens, we're not going to miss it live. I'll guarantee you that. Like, if it happens, it's going to happen after we finish recording. We're, it's not going to happen to us again. We're, we're, we're not going to miss anything while we're recording. Um, so let's get good, let's go ahead and get to it. So the first actual news item that happened today, uh, Daryl Morey uh, got an extension to his. Uh, Otherwise, like expiring in one year contract. So his his contract was supposed to expire after next season. And uh, it looks like Leslie Alexander went ahead and tacked on four more years. Um, I think this is great news. Uh, stability for the organization. Uh, Daryl Morey can go ahead and operate uh, with the freedom of, you know, the security that he, you know, he's financially secure for the next five years. And um, the Rockets, like, especially the players, I mean, they they know that there's nothing rocky going on upstairs. I I, I think this is, and you know Daryl Moore is obviously very good at his job. One of the best one of the best general managers in the NBA, and you just don't want to lose guys like that. We've seen it with David Griffin in Cleveland. Like you get killed by the media when you lose guys like that, and it's just not a good look for your organization um, when you have such a successful general manager to just miss out on him. Uh, yeah, in Les Alexander, we trust. Uh, this is definitely the right move. Uh, I, well, I think that 
with the timing of them trying to sign James Harden to an extended deal as well, which he probably won't take for fairly reasonable reasons, but you got to ask him. Uh, this does look like they're just trying to lock everything up. Like they're, they're being the anti Cavs here, get some stability, uh, you know, like bottle this lightning, get a good thing locked in for long term. I think it's a great plan and it's very heartening to see. Yeah. And, and just like the Spurs uh, recently uh, re-signing Messina, until the end of Pop's contract. They want to see these guys go through. Having stability is the most important thing in an organization. Um, and like we're seeing right now with the Cavs, and I mean, it's being reported right now that Chauncey Billows is undecided on accepting that five-year <laughs> offer. So, I, I, I mean, I, I really do think having stability, having that consistency is very important to a team. Um, and, and, and not only with a star player, it shows the rest of the NBA that, you know, the structure is in place here, the system is in place and if you want to be able to join a system that you feel like you can contribute to or grow as a player, and I think this is the place to come. Yeah, and we never know with these uh, executive extensions, like uh, until it's too late, pretty much. Like, and I wish this was made publicly available. I wish the contracts and the years left. Like, I wish we knew about this kind of stuff ahead of time. We always kind of figure out when these guys are on the chopping block. Um, but like again, this is like. A general manager that's proven, like he knows how to run an, organi- an NBA organization, uh, with the mandate that you know we're not going to tank. He managed to collect assets over and over and over again, pull off one of the the heists of the, of the last twenty five years, in my opinion, uh, in the James Harden trade, um, and managed to you know keep that gravy tra- gravy train going. Um, you know, fifty win se- fifty win seasons, pretty much year after year, um, constant stability. Uh, I, I, I know a lot of people uh, don't like Daryl Morey for various reasons, but, I mean, you can't say the man's not good at his job. I mean, uh, you may have a problem with the way he, uh, tr- you know, views players as assets, or you may have a, have a problem of how, you know, um, he, use, he uses analytics into, you know, actual basketball strategy. Like, you can't, you can't argue that he doesn't know how to do his job at this point. It's, he has a pretty proven track record. He's never bottomed out. He's never fell be- below 500, which is really impressive for a 10-year stretch. I mean, that's. Um, I mean, you, you just—it's just pretty damn impossible in this day and age to go that long without a losing season. Um, and you know, kudos to the Rockets. Uh, Leslie Alexander is really starting to get my trust back from last offseason. Uh, I remember. Um, you and I, Forrest, like we were on shaky grounds with Los Alexander, and um, it wasn't just us. There was a lot of guys um, that, that felt like he was overstepping his boundaries. But he, um, credit to him, I mean, he's he's proven like for 20 years that he he delegates guys to be in charge that know what the hell they're doing. You, you know, one thing that I've heard um, when I talk to league execs around the league is that. Uh, or just you know, whenever they come to Rockets games, you have a chance to speak to team like personnel. The Rockets, no, the Rockets have a plan. Let's, uh, sorry, Daryl Morey is known as one of the most uh, prepared guys in the NBA. This front office has contingency after contingency lined up. They have different options there. Like they they prepare themselves. I mean, as as you both already know, when it comes to the draft, the the Rockets will meet with pretty much almost every single player because you never know how that information can be helpful to them four years down the line when a free agent pops up or when a trade pops up. Um, that all, like, for example, in 2009, during that draft with Johnny Flynn and all these guys, the Rockets were interested in these guys based off of their interviews in the draft, based off the te- like the, the research they had done prior uh, prior to the draft. So 
I, I, I think that when you have a guy like Daryl Moore, he's very structured, who knows what he's doing, that, that hard work and preparation will eventually lead to luck helping your team. I think that the Rockets, you know, have that in place and it's a matter of how lucky can they get in the future. Yeah, and I agree with you uh, when you're talking about uh, like like people always talk about Daryl Morey taking gambles, and I I disagree with that. Daryl Morey doesn't take gambles; he takes calculated risks. And like as you said, he he has a contingency plan lined up at all times. If you remember, even the Ty Lawson trade, that was a pretty risky trade. Even then, he had a contingency plan. He made the, the non guaranteed contract. Yeah, the second yeah. year of that contract was. I mean, I think that that first year was non guaranteed, and the Rockets were quickly able to shed his salary and move on like almost as quickly as they you know they walked in that deal and like just like stuff like that stuff like you, you can look back in the history of you know the kind of risk that Daryl Morey's taken over the years and he always has a fallback plan and every time something seems to go sour it doesn't last very long right like the worst contract I've ever seen Daryl Morey take on was the Corey Brewer contract right and that only lasted like a year and a half uh, where it was actually a, a bad contract, right? And pretty much, like, other organizations, I mean, a contract like that, I mean, it, it takes almost years for them to shed that kind of salary um, without, you know, getting something back. And the Rockets managed to get back Lou Williams for only the the small price of a, a first-round draft pick. Like, and stuff like that is why I have continued confidence in this organization. Um, you know, uh, Daryl Moy was on, almost was on the verge of uh, the hot seat last year. Um, and... It's it's. I just think it's really impressive that he managed to not only bounce back but uh, become a 55 win team again. And uh, if you remember last year, teams weren't taking meetings with the Rockets last year. Like Ke- Kevin Durant didn't want to sit down with the Rockets. And this year, pretty much out of the gate, we have we have word that the Rockets were gonna meet with Chris Paul. And like th- that's that's kind of why like I think Daryl Morey like, um, extending him was a home run uh, decision. And yeah, I, I credit to the Rockets for getting this done. Um, other news on the docket, uh, the Rockets, uh, this came out, uh, yesterday, Jonathan Fagan, uh, reported that the Rockets do plan to extend James Harden, uh, beyond the extension he got last year. So they're going to tack on, uh, almost four, four more years after 2019, uh, and it's basically, this is basically the designated player, ex- uh, extension. And, uh, this is essentially a supermax contract. It doesn't affect the Rockets' salary this year or the year or the year after. It's it's basically um, a way to secure Harden going forward, so you can instill confidence in free agents that come to you guys. Like, hey, our 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 star guy is locked in for the future. And um, although this hasn't happened yet, it, it is very encouraging that the Rockets plan on doing so uh, at the as soon as they possibly can, according to this report. So. Um, yeah, I mean, what are you guys' reaction to that? Uh, I don't think he's going to do it. Uh, and it's for, and I can explain why, and it will. But uh, it's definitely a thing you want to see them do. Like, that's definitely the right choice for them to show. If nothing else, it shows their trust in him and that they, they do want to lock this in for the long haul. Uh, they're going for that security and that stability. I don't think he'll do it because it doesn't really make any financial sense for him to do it. Like, what's what's going to happen between now and uh, not even the end of this coming season, but the season after that, like yeah, he can, he can terminate early after the season, this coming season, or he can just like, he has one more year. There's really no reason for him to, to do this until at least next off season. 
Uh, but, you know, maybe James Harden wants to, like, lock himself in and show that he's uh, all in on Houston. I doubt he does. It doesn't make a lot of financial sense. But, uh, you know, it's great. It's good. The Rockets are offering it. It's part of their, their overarching, like, extend and continue strategy they're doing right now. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I haven't really talked anybody who knows where, what the, what's going to happen. But, I mean, I four years, $168 million extension. Now... That's a lot of money, even with the Supermax going on. Um, you know, It'll be interesting to see, like Forrest said, if he takes it or not. I mean, if he does, you have him locked in for another... Basically, you have two more years up on his contract, then he has a player off, and you lock him up longer. You, don't have, you have those five years of him in his prime to use to pitch to free agents. Hey, James Harden is here. Um, you know, we have a superstar in place. We have a system in place. Come and join us. Um, and, you know, be able to run this incredible offense with him. I think that's their thinking about it, keep him happy. Uh, and, I mean, I, this sounds really stupid, but, I mean, but in the age of social media, anything could be useful. Um, but today, when the Rockets' Instagram posted the, the statement that, hey, the Daryl Morey was re-signed to an extension, James Harden liked the photo. I mean, you know, stuff like that is, is really small. Maybe looking too, too much into it. I'm too old enough for social media, I guess. But, you know, st- stuff like that. Uh, kind of tells me that you know the connection is there, and he does really care about this organization. He wants to win here, um, and, and let's see if he takes it or not. But I think this is the right move. Completely agree with you guys. The right move to make, um, and that this would only benefit them even more when it comes to free agency in the future. And I kind of wonder if, uh, for example, they meet with like Chris Paul or somebody, and the take is, well, uh, I would definitely want to sign here if I could be assured that like James Harden would be here for you know a number of years uh, so I wonder if it's if it's potentially possible that James Harden would think about it in that kind of scenario because he probably would like to have a uh, he probably would like to have Chris Paul on his team so uh, we'll see what happens there I mean like I said I don't think he's going to do it but I think there are some situations where he might do it and it'd be interesting to see why and what they would be right and like I think I think this might not matter this year because it's not going to affect the salary cap. But I mean, like, if you, when when you're in a meeting with the free agent and you're telling him like I, we want to sign you, we want to sign you to a four year max offer sheet. Um, I mean, it's much more comforting to know that the superstar that's already in place is going to be there for the duration of your contract, right? Um, and that's where I think it's going to really help the Rockets. Um, and like it's just a sign of continued stability for the organization on top of this Mori extension, right? If if they if they do manage to get this done, right? Obviously, it hasn't happened yet, but I mean, it's it's very much on the table. And I I just I just think like the Rockets, like if you remember life before James Harden, I mean, like it's pretty dreadful relying on Jeremy Lin to be your marquee free agent signing, Kevin Martin to be your leading scorer, like it's. Life is just much easier with James Harden's on your team. Um, it, it's just a lot easier to work with. So lo- locking him up, um, it, it does give the appearance of kind of a Spurs, uh, a faux Spurs-like stability, right? And um, I, I do think that's something the Rockets should strive for. <laughs> yeah, but all right. How long was really that like post-signing Jeremy Lin pre-trading for James Harden uh, time period? That wasn't. It was like ten days. That was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, it, I mean, but like, but like, if you remember the mentality of Rockets fans, that was your marquee signing, him and Omar Ashik, right? Like, yeah, uh, J- man, you, you know, we all thought Omar Ashik was basically the next Dwight Howard. I mean, I'm guilty of that too. I was a young kid. I'm like, oh man, here comes Omar Ashik, the defensive stopper, the guy the Chicago Bulls cannot live without. Uh, so I, I mean. As a Rockets fan, at that point in time, you were looking for anything to make you feel happy. Hey, he was and, pretty good for a couple of years there. Yeah, he, <laughs> and I, you know, honestly, honestly, if his hands were better, if he had DeAndre Jordan hands and and could cash lobs and finish, you know, that would that would have been an amazing signing. But nonetheless, his screening ability couldn't overcome his hands. So um, I'm kind of glad that they moved him when they did. But yeah, you're right. I mean. The, we, we were looking at a Lynn Ashik pick and roll as our basically bread and butter off on, on the offense. Yeah, people were looking at Jeremy Lamb as the next Tracy McGrady. Like, I remember that being a thing on the Clutch Fans forums. Like, like, like this always used to be a thing with uh, Clutch Fans, like a uh, very good uh, forum here in Houston, uh, very good blog. Uh, like, people used to just fantasize about just getting that superstar, right? Or drafting that superstar, right? And now that you have him, I mean, I just think. Like it, life is just so much. That's the one less burden you have. You don't have to think about. I, I, I'm, just think about being an organization like the Phoenix Suns or the Charlotte Hornets. Like that's an organization that's desperate to get their superstar, right? And the Rockets already have them, and that means they're a step ahead of everybody, right? And uh, locking them up just, I, I just think it, it's. You can only think of positives with that. I mean, I know people have a bitter taste in their mouth about James Harden uh, because of you know the way he ended the season, but I mean, honestly, like. If you look at his numbers throughout the playoffs, and if you look at how incredible of a season yet, I mean, it's it's pretty. Like, I don't think you should be mad about James Harden uh, being here for the long haul. Um, you know, one of the five best players in the NBA, in my opinion, easily one of the top ten players in the NBA. Uh, good news all around. I think we can all agree on that. Um, so let's go ahead and get, let's go ahead and get to the speculation part of this podcast. Um, so it looks like. The Rockets are serious about moving on from Patrick Beverly, and um, the, the, it, it's been like uh, this is this kind of uh, you know this kind of chatter is is not just like a week old thing. This stuff's been going on since the Rockets exited the playoffs, and you know uh, Patrick Beverly had those cryptic co- comments about you know um, yeah a lot of teams are are interested in me. I got I have to think about my future. He had a very it's a business type of mentality, right? Um, and uh, same thing in this recent interview with Mark Berman. Uh, you know, he had that same attitude. You know, oh, the, uh, the Rockets, I hear the Rockets are going to go after Chris Paul. Uh, and my future the organization is kind of shaky. Um, there's a lot of teams that are interested in me. Um, you know, I understand the business, that kind of stuff. So Patrick Beverly, um, and in addition to his Twitter, you know, I mean, his Twitter has been kind of going crazy. Uh, his cryptic tweets. I mean, Patrick, it looks like Patrick Beverly might be ready to move on. Um, although there is some speculation that this may be a leverage play to get an, a new extension. Um, I do think he's a little bit jaded by the organization. Uh, it's been like, this is like year five of Patrick Beverly and the Rockets are still looking for a new... He's been, he's been here essentially every single year James Harden has been here. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. And the Rockets have looked for a point guard pretty much every single year he's been here, right? Like, uh, they've, they've looked to replace him, whether it's Jeremy Lin... Whether it's um, whether Ty it's Lawson. Ka- Ty Lawson, Kyle Lowry, Chris Paul this year, it's and I understand why he would be jaded, right? Like it seems like he's the perfect fit next to James Harden, um, and uh, nonetheless, the Rockets do continue to look for an upgrade at that position. 
so I understand. I completely understand from his point, especially if he's really trying to leverage to get this extension. Uh, go, go get your money, Patrick Beverly. I, I'm I'm fully with that. Um, but I mean, like Patrick Beverly's been such an integral part of this organization. He's the culture. Uh, he he sets the culture for this organization. Uh, when you think about the Houston Rockets, you think about obviously you think about James Harden, but you also think about Patrick Beverly. He's he's the culture leader for this team. He's the gritty he's and soul. Yeah, gritty defensive guy. Um, and like he's just like the the he's probably the biggest fan favorite. And like it's just sad that the Rockets may be moving on from him. You know, during the during the playoffs. Uh, when he found out that it was his grandfather, right, who passed away, um, am I right? It was his, was it? Yeah, it was yeah. probably yeah. yeah. It was his grandfather. I was actually in the locker room, uh, and and I had never seen Patrick start crying. I mean, I've never seen Patrick cry ever. I mean, you you would think this guy is such a tough guy, and he afterwards his teammates were all around him, you know. Uh, Montrose Harrell was like, you know, he was wondering what's going on, like, and he tried to comfort him. Like his teammates were there with him, and and he himself loves this team. He always raves about Coach D'Antoni. Him and Coach D'Antoni are very tight. So when when he's saying these cryptic tweets, when he's saying these things, I honestly don't know what happened because even at the end of the year, um, in the Spurs playoff series, he was hyping his teammates up. He was. It was into it, and then all of a sudden, with the recent interview that Mark Berman recorded and stuff like that, you know, he's giving all these things away, and I just it makes you wonder what exactly is he doing. And I, Forrest, I mean, I don't know about you, I kind of agree with Solomon. This could be a way for him to say, "Hey, I'm down to go if you're not going to pay me more than five million dollars a year." Yeah, uh, it's either that, but I, I don't know. It's hard to tell with Patrick Beverly because he doesn't seem like he's really the kind to like play a lot of games, but also he might just be the kind to play a lot of games and successfully appear not to be. Uh, I also, I kind of wonder if he isn't hearing a lot of rumors about like this Chris Paul stuff. Like he might, it may be that he thinks this Chris Paul stuff is pretty far along, or the Paul George stuff is pretty far along. Like it might be his perception is that yeah he's he's about to get moved, whether he is or not. Maybe he just thinks he does, um, and I don't know what that means for the likelihood of either thing happening. Like, does it matter if he thinks it's happening? Does he have a good view on it? I don't know. Uh, that that's sort of what I would initially think is the case that he that he is getting a strong sense that it's going to happen, and uh, I would not want to see him go. I think he's great on the team. He's he's kind of James Harden's bulldog. Uh, He's a he is the perfect point guard next to James Harden, though he's not as perfect a point guard as Chris Paul is. So, if it's if it's one of those trades, if it's someone like a like a Chris Paul or a Paul George necessitating him to leave, then yeah, it's probably time for him to leave. But otherwise, I would uh you know I'd rather see him stay. So, uh, I guess I I that's I'm sort of hopeful. I'm sort of wishful thinking that uh that this stuff is more related to him hearing some news that this stuff is getting kind of real and not just him being dissatisfied. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned Ali Khan, like, what happened with Patrick Beverly? And I kind of think, like, you know, like, this is, like, the second or third trade deadline where his name has been out in the public and shopped around. Like, the Rockets, like, never seem to be done shopping Patrick Beverly, right? Like, he's he's consistent. If you look at the guys on the roster, he's consistently the guy 
who hears his name the most, right? I mean, I think that's fair to say. Um, and, like, I do imagine that'd be kind of upsetting. Like, you know, is the guy, we talk about him as the culture guy. We talk, we talk about him as a heart and soul of the team. Well, if I'm the heart and soul of the team, why are you guys trading me every year, right? Why are you guys talking about trading me every year? I could certainly understand that, right? And I could certainly understand where he's coming from. I, I, I also understand wanting to get paid more money and... I mean, like, if you look, you mentioned him being close to Mike, Don- Mike D'Antoni. He's really close to James Harden. Like, those guys are bros, man. Like, like if you talk about, like, like just during press And Ryan Anderson. Him and Ryan Anderson have a really, uh, really strong relationship, which is something that not many talk about. Right. There was, an, there was a column that came out, I think, about the Chronicle this year, uh, talking about that relationship, right? Um, like, he's really close to the people on this team. He has roots in this organization. Um, and... Like the fact that the Rockets, you know, I mean, I, I don't want to say they don't value him, but I mean, they they're very open about, you know, he's he's available, and I could see why it would bother him. Uh, and you know, uh, as far as what's actually going on, I mean, there's been reported twelve teams that are interested in his services. The Utah Jazz are a team that's um, actually been named as a team that that, that would be interested in training for. Patrick Beverly, uh, obviously at the trade deadline this year, we heard about the Cavs being a name that's uh, really interested. You know, if you remember that Iman Shumpert for Patrick Beverly trade, uh, Iman Shumpert, uh, Patrick Beverly, and Taj Gibson were all in trade talks together, right? And, like, the, I'd imagine that'd be kind of upsetting for Patrick Beverly. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, and he mentioned how it's good to be wanted, right? And I, I certainly understand that as a player, uh, as, like, you know, just being – very valued in your industry uh so i mean like i i get it like i i i hold nothing wrong you know i i hold like nothing against patrick beverly for this you know uh fans may may be upset they may be uh saddened but i mean like if i completely understand where he's coming from um as far as like a situation where the rockets would trade patrick beverly as you said first like if they're gonna trade patrick beverly like they better have that next star in line right like he's he's the guy you move if you have that guy, you don't move him unless you're kind of close to getting that guy. And um, like, I, I just think like, I just think he's such an integral part of the organization. Like you, it's just really hard. It's really hard to stomach losing him for nothing. Right. Like, even if you're getting an asset back for him, if you're not getting that guy, it's just not worth it. I mean, it, it's just not. I mean, you'd rather eat up the contract and move on. I mean, he there's not much you can get better for that salary cap space. Like five million dollars per year, non guaranteed for next year, I think. And like, like you're not gonna find contracts that like, like that in the open market. Like it's just damn near impossible. The Rock, Daryl Moore did a really good job with that, um, with that deal. And like, as you said, like it's just you you'd hope you get the star guy if you're gonna trade him. Otherwise, I'd rather eat up the salary. Um, as far as what the Rockets could get from him, for him, like you hear anything from uh, moving up in this year's draft to getting perhaps a future first, maybe a few, maybe a couple future seconds for him. What do you guys think? Uh, I really would uh, as to like what you think would be good to get for him. I mean, I I really think that he, if he moves, it will be part of a uh, a suite of moves made to uh, land one of these big names or a fairly big name. Like, I actually, I don't know. I just am not even ready to, like, hit what I think Patrick Beverly is worth. It's so it's so weird to me. Yeah, like, I feel like, I feel like if Patrick Beverly, if, a, like, James Harden was against it, it wouldn't be happening. 
So I don't. I just don't know what to think about it. Like I just keep thinking, like, what does this mean about what's happening in the team? And as far as what they could get for him, I don't know. They could probably. I mean, he's pretty decent. He's like a good quality asset, uh, but it's just hard to. I mean, I guess a lot of like like playoff hopefuls and like near contenders would want this because he he has a really good tough defensive uh, point guard, but. Man, I don't know. What do they even have? <laughs> like, what are, what are the teams that would own Patrick Beverly even have? Yeah, I mean, you would think it'd be a draft pick, right? Like, like if if you're trying to shed if you're trying to shed salary cap space, you would think um, it would require a draft pick to actually uh, let go of Beverly because his contract is good enough to where you know this isn't like a shedding a, a contract kind of deal, right? Like, he's a positive asset. So. Um, and I agree with you. It's really, really hard to talk about Patrick Beverly as an asset. Like it's, it's, it's it feels so cold. And one of the one of the many reasons why I wouldn't be a good general manager. Uh, it's like the cold part of this, like the Pat Riley letting De- uh, Dwayne Wade walk, the tra- considering moving Patrick. I would never be able to do that part of the job. And why Daryl Morey is very much uh, better at this than uh, most general managers. Um, yeah, I mean, like, as far as, like, what teams he'd be a good fit for, you know, as you mentioned, like, um, a near contender that could use some defense on the wings, uh, perhaps a, a team that's looking for guard depth, like the Utah Jazz, as I mentioned earlier, like, if they lo- if they move on from George Hill, you'd think Patrick Beverly would be a, a, an okay replacement, like, not necessarily George Hill, but, you know, decent enough. Um, you know, I don't know. It, it, it's it's interesting. I haven't, I haven't thought about it this seriously till now. It's really sad. <laughs> now I'm getting <laughs> sad thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm just, you know, with this first round, if they do get a first round pick out of them, and, and it comes down to it, the Rockets have been rumored to want Chris Paul or Kyle Lowry. Just curious to see what, uh, which of those two point guards do you think are the best fit? Now, Chris Paul is 32 years old. Kyle Lowry is also up there in age. Um, I, I'll just put it out there. I personally think that if they did get Kyle Lowry, um, his style of play in the pace and space kind of offense would suit him better. He was great uh, with the one-two pistol offense that Rick Gavelman had here. Um, It kind of sort of continued with Mikel too, but I I, I really do think that Kyle Lowry would be better out of the two. But when you have a guy like Chris Paul, who arguably is the second greatest point guard of all time, uh, you find a way to fit him into your offense. Um, who's consistently one of the best defensive guards in the NBA? Who can basically is probably the best mid-range shooter at the, at his position, arguably. Um, you, you know, I'm just. What do you guys think? Who of those two would be the best fit in this offense? Well, the I mean, next like, James. Uh, before we get into that, let's go ahead and mention the names like I got mentioned today uh, uh, in regards to the Rockets. Uh, uh, as, as we said, today was a very busy day in regards to the Rockets. Uh, the Rockets are rumored to be going heavy after Paul Millsap, Kyle Lowry, Chris Paul, um, Paul George. Like, like These are the kind of names that have been mentioned with the Rockets. Uh, as far as what I think would be better of the two, Kyle Lowry or Chris Paul, um, from a basketball fit standpoint, I'd probably say Kyle Lowry, but I mean... it. From like a pure like asset and like who's the better player is Chris Paul. So I mean I'd rather have Chris Paul and try to make it work because you know he's one of the ten best players in the NBA and you don't get a chance to land top ten guys any day every day of the week. And Kyle Lowry has shown uh, struggles in the playoffs before. We've seen it um, in Toronto. 
um, that his you know foul drawing heavy style of play. I mean, it, it, it is to some extent uh, limited. Um, but I mean, if he's if he's your second guy, I mean, I I really can't think of anyone better to you know run the offense when Harden sits. Yeah, I mean, as long as Kyle Lowry is like fine with the understanding that he is in fact like the second dude down on the food chain, uh, then yeah, Kyle Lowry fit really well. I've got it with you that like all things being equal, you always want Chris Paul over Kyle Lowry, but that uh, yeah, Lowry does sort of make a little bit more sense logistically as a fit in this particular situation, especially given like the difference in salary that they're likely likely to command. But uh, I don't know. Whichever one says yes, <laughs> that's the one you want. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like it, it, it's it's difficult, right? Because right as of right now, we have the Rockets don't even have meetings with these guys, right? The only meeting that we know of on the books is Chris Paul, um, and uh, as as far as like who Durham- I mean, even with that, Solomon, even with that, the Clippers just got Jerry West. Now, no matter what you can say about the Clippers organization, Jerry West is somebody that commands respect. And is yeah, he, well. Res- he's one of the best executives he's, of all time. Like he's really yeah. good at his job. Um, yeah, and so I, 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 don't think that we can just say at this point in time, hey, you know, the Rockets will definitely have a meeting. The Rockets will have a chance. I think it all honestly depends upon what Jerry West talks to, uh, how how Jerry West talks to Chris Paul when it comes to July first, and see what happens. Because at the end of the day, he will make the most money if he stays in Los Angeles. Um, the Clippers want him back. And let, let's see what happens. I mean, if he ends up leaving and the, it's between the Rockets and the Spurs, I mean, we see what happens with that. But I, I wouldn't necessarily, if I'm the Rockets, put all my chips in the sink if, if Chris Paul will come here. Yeah, I mean, um, here, here's what I'll say Here's what, in regards to Clippers. And I don't want to get too off topic. I really do feel like the Clippers are blowing it up. Um, and like They should. Yeah, and, they absolutely should. I'm not sure if they should. They have no assets. I mean, I'm not sure if they should. That's a really, really good team. Year after year after year, they won 50 games, and they consistently are among contenders. But, I mean, like, I mean, you hear these rumors about DeAndre Jordan being uh, shopped, and you hear, um, I mean, like, I really feel like Blake Griffin is, is Boston-bound. I'm not sure if, about you guys. Like, I, I just, I get that feel. Um, and, like, it just seems like a really good fit alongside um you know Al Horford, like those are two really good passing bigs, uh, and like I feel like I feel like they'd complement each other really well. Um, and Boston obviously has been has been chasing that a superstar for a long time, um, and like yeah, I, I just feel like the Clippers are blowing this thing up. And if that's the case, I mean, if you're Chris Paul, the only real reason you'd stay is the money, which is a really good reason to stay. Uh, by the way, uh, I mean, he, uh, as we all know, uh, Chris Paul was. A big reason the designated player exception uh, is going to be offered to players above 36 uh, because uh, Chris Paul is ahead of uh, he's a, I think he's a VP of the Players Association. So I mean he he was a big reason uh, the the designated player exception you know is actually being enacted in the first place. So um, it's hard to see him turn down that money. It's it's a lot of money. It's it's not just an extra year with the Clippers. It's an extra year on top of like 30 million dollars. Like it's 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 a ridiculous sum of money. Um, that he'd be turning down, um, but I, I don't know. I kind of think that team is going to stay together, but shouldn't. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I mean, well, well, here's the thing: you you could always bring the team together and shop them, right? Like th- that's always a possibility. You could always bring them back and um, and shop them later, right? Like maybe not necessarily at this deadline, but you know, it's it's easy it's easier to 
to swallow breaking that team up if you're getting assets back in return. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as Chris Paul, um, I mean, I, 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 Forrest said this on the last podcast, like I do kind of feel like San Antonio is a ready-made situation for him. So if I were Chris Paul, I mean, if I didn't stay, I'd go to San Antonio. But Houston's not far behind. Like, I mean, if you term, if you talk about ready-made situations, teams that are like on the brink of contention, but you know, just need more star help. Houston's right up there with San Antonio. And, and you see, and you see the need for the Rockets is another primary ball handler. They have they they have a few secondary ball handlers in Lou Williams and Eric Gordon and Patrick Beverly, but you need another alpha dog. You need somebody else who can take that pain off of James Harden, not for one to two to three plays, but for, you know, three or four minute, minutes at a time. You need somebody like a Kyrie to a LeBron, you know, Kevin Durant to a step. Uh, you need somebody who can, you know, mitigate that stress that Harden faces possession after possession after possession. And and that's why I don't really have a problem with the Rockets going after a guy like Chris Paul or Kyle Lowry who can, you know, run the offense, who can settle the game down in half-court situations, who can also push the ball. They're very smart players in half-court and in transition. Um, and it's a matter of, you know what, let, I'd be happy with either of them on a the team, and let, you know, let's see what happens. Yeah, and you make a good point. Like, it, it does relieve a lot of stress off James Harden's shoulders. Mike D'Antoni talked about it uh, during the exit interviews. Like, they really want to play James Harden less, and bringing in a guy like Kyle Lowry or, or Chris Paul does reduce the minute load on James Harden. It does reduce the creation load on James Harden. Um, I mean, like, if, if we're... T- if we're talking about, if we're speculating the reasons James Harden has these weird exit playoff games, you know, where, you know, he gets like 12 turnovers or he, you know, he scores like 12 points. Like, I, I feel, I kind of feel like it's a result of the burden that he has up until that point. Like the ridiculous playmaking load and minutes that he has to play up until there. Like, I, I do kind of feel like that's a factor in this. And maybe you get Chris Paul and you don't have to worry about that. Like, who knows? Like, um... We we don't really know how this will work out until they're actually on the team, and that's what's that's what's interesting to talk about. Um, as far as Paul Millsap, like Paul Millsap makes a lot of basketball sense for this team. This team needs defense on the front court, um, and um, as far as um, his shooting ability, it's not as good as Ryan Anderson. Obviously, uh, he can he's still capable to take to take a couple threes per game from beyond the arc, and he's um, a, a good playmaker. Uh, out of transition and uh, out, of, out of half-court sets. So, I mean, that's a really nice option if the Rockets are able to, you know, pull off a sign-and-trade or because uh, it looks like the Hawks do want to try and sign-and-trade to Paul Millsap or sign him outright if you can. Um, but the thing about Paul Millsap is the contract that, 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 he, would, that he would require uh, late into his 30s. That's a lot of money to be giving to a player that does rely on, on a lot of his athleticism. I, do, I just think it's a good fit, though. I, I think the contract that they'd be probably willing to give is a three-year deal, two years guaranteed, third-year team option. That's probably not <laughs> uh, what Paul wants. He probably wants a four-year deal, three years, and one of the player option. So it's a matter or, of – Or like a three-year and a player – I mean like in the third year being a player option. Like I, I, yeah, I imagine – Yeah, something like that. I, I, I think the Rockets always want to – I mean, I mean any, any general manager wants to give – a player like that in his 30s, a two-year and then a player option, or maybe even a one-year and a player option. But um, it, it's, it remains to be seen, I think, if the contract numbers are there, the Rockets are clearly interested. They've been interested before um, in, in, in previous deadlines. Um, it, it's going to be about the contract figure. And it's also going to be about whether or not they get other players. Um, 
it's interesting. You know, so many moving parts can happen. The great thing about this Rockets front office is they're so flexible. They may not have the assets that you think they do, but they always have a way to uh, pull it off and figure it out. And what about a Blake Griffin? Uh, because, it, like, and I, I've, I've always questioned the fit of Blake Griffin, but, I mean, in terms of, like, a, a project that, that, you know, like, obviously he's really injury riddled. He, he doesn't seem to be as athletic as he used to be. Blake Griffin intrigues me a lot because we've seen his peak as a top five player in this league, right? When, when Blake Griffin's playing the best basketball he can, He's a top five player, but we just haven't seen that in a couple of years now. Uh, I mean, if you talk about two years ago, he was third in the MVP race, right? Like, in that, this is just something Blake Griffin has. He he, he has the ability to reach high peaks. Uh, it's just a matter of whether or not the Rockets would be taking a risk on him. Sam Amick did report that the Rockets would be interested in Blake Griffin this uh, today, um, and I'm not sure. Like, like, what do you guys think? Like, like, I would probably go for it. Um, I. I but I'm a little higher on Blake Griffin than most people. Uh, but I under, I understand the cautionary tale. Uh, I think he's actually a fairly good fit for the team. Uh, he is obviously extremely versatile offensively. He has sort of a three-point game. It's like a little bit of a three-point game. It's more than nothing for sure. I mean, he shot, he shot 40% from <laughs> yeah. beyond the arc this year. Well, I mean, but yeah, we also shot like eight of them or whatever, right? Right, so. right, right, yeah. Uh, and... You know, sometimes guys have an inflated uh, three-point percentage and they don't shoot very many of them because they only shoot ones and they're super open. But yeah, he's he's adding a three-point game. He adds like a mid-range threat, which is nice. Uh, he can score you know, multi-dimensionally. He has he's a very capable player on offense, and you know he's not going to be any worse than Ryan Anderson on defense <laughs> at the very least. Uh, so I and, think and he's I mean, a I, he's a really good passer. I got, I, oh you, yeah, you have Which to mention huge that, in that system. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I think uh, the time when he was third um, is the time when when Chris Paul was injured and he had a great run and the offense really a you know revolved around his playmaking ability and I think if he comes here, they'll go back to those sets that Phoenix ran with Boris Diaw and Raja Bell and Joe Johnson when you utilize the high post. I think as much as I wanted to see it, and we did see it. The Rockets didn't really take advantage of the high post series offense that um, that Coach D'Antoni likes to run. Um, and I think if you have a guy like that, Blake Griffin, where he can clear out a side of the floor, you run those elbow pick and rolls, run those elbow actions, off ball, off ball movements. Have him be able to be a facilitator. I think that's where he's he can be successful, and he doesn't have to uh, concentrate so much on using athleticism to blow by somebody. Where the Rockets' offense in itself can utilize his strength as a passer to get the scoring output going. Um, and and I, I'm with you, so I, I think I think we're we're higher on him than others. Um, but at, at the end of the day, it's again: is it, do the Rockets will have they have the money? Will they have the options? And if they do, if he comes here, uh, what will happen? Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a great point. By the way, I think that. Then Tony's offense has been a little stifled by that. It'd be, uh, yeah. Now I'm really into it. You guys, like, <laughs> I was, I was already like totally fine with that, but now I'm really into the idea of Blake Griffin. There's so many players I think who really would be unlocked by uh, moving to this system yeah, on I, offense, especially. I, I, I think the biggest thing that Coach Dan Tony's offense allows you to do is that it utilizes your strengths, um, and, and if you have a skill set that revolves around, hey. If you're a passer and you're a screener, we got we got a space for you. If you're a guy who can use only one arm to pass the ball accurately, we have a space for you, a la Nene. 
Vinay, believe it or not, he is great when he passes with one hand versus when he passes with two. And what did the Rockets do? Gave him the ball on the elbow with one hand, let him operate, let them pass the ball on the pick and roll. When James Harden passing the ball, most of the times it was that bounce pass where he got it to him in his bread basket, and then Nate was able to use his one hand, pop it back out to the corner for three. Dan Tony knows what his players like. He asked them. They have a trust. They have. A, they can trust him, uh, and and he ensures that he uh, puts them in the right spots to be successful. And I think no matter who they sign, any type of superstar, any type of star player, when they come here, their their game will be elevated to a new level. So, uh, in terms of his his injury history, because that is a factor, uh, how yes. concerned are you guys uh, with Blake Griffin? Because uh, we're talking about how good he can be at his peak. He hasn't reached his peak in a while, right? And injuries do have a lot to do with that. Uh, his knees are a big concern, um, and uh, he had the elbow injury a, a few years ago. Um, he obviously had the wrist where, um, you know, infamous uh, L.A. Times, uh, I think it was L.A. Times, where he uh, punched a trainer. Um, like, you know, he has these injury concerns, um, and obviously the, in- the the punch thing was kind of fluky. But, I mean, like, he does have a track record of, of being hurt kind of at the worst times in the season. Um, and if you even look at this year, he missed the end of the postseason because he got hurt. Um, so how much does that detract you from signing a Blake Griffin? Uh, no, I think none. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, uh, the Rockets are also interested in signing Delano Gallinari. I don't think there should be any problem with signing a guy like Blake Griffin. I think <laughs> they, you, you, that, that I think those concerns went out the window when they signed both Eric Gordon and Ryan Anderson. I think that the Rockets, the Rockets uh, front office has great trust in their uh, training staff. Uh, Keith Jones and Doctor Miles, uh, Miles, they're very good at their jobs. Uh, they have a great system in place here. Uh, after the game, the players always go work out. They always rave about um, the nutrition. They, they rave about everything that has to do with the training staff. And, and, and I, I, I think that when you have that, when pl- players talk about that kind of stuff, believe it or not, they, they know which training staffs take care of their bodies and stuff like that. And, and I think any player that comes, you understands that, hey, I have a chance to stay healthy. I have a chance to put myself and my body in the best position to be successful. Right. Um and, and that's a good point. Like the Rockets did sign Eric Gordon and Ryan Anderson, so signing Blake Griffin, a much, much, much better player. Um, I don't think it would bother them. I mean, they did commit some significant amounts to players that were uh, apparently injured, injury riddled. Um, I do think Blake Griffin's a different case. Like I, I do think his his injuries are a little bit more nagging. But um, if it were up to me, I I'd take the risk because. I mean, I, I just I've I've seen it. I've seen Blake when he's at his best. If you remember uh, the postseason where uh, the Rockets uh, made to the conference finals, I mean, he was one of the three best players in the playoffs, for, like for the beginning stretch. Like he was awesome, especially in that Spurs series uh, where they won in in seven games. Blake was amazing. I mean, and in the beginning of that Rocket series, if you if you remember the kind of ridiculous stuff he was doing, like, like he was doing spin moves, like in transition, like. Uh, crazy layups and dunks, like I, and um, and like I, I've seen it. Like I, I just, I just think that ceiling is just so hard to resist. Um, whether or not he can get back there, that's still a, a, a I, th- I think a, a real question mark. Um, um, let me let me go ahead and ask you guys: if you're ranking the free agents at the rock that have been mentioned today, uh, Blake Griffin, Paul Millsap, Chris Paul, Kyle Lowry, uh, in order of preference, how would you go about that? Man, uh, oh man! Uh, I mean, I don't. 
uh, is it just like all things being equal, or is there like real world issues considered here? Well, all things aren't equal, so <laughs> let's, let's let's go real. Okay, I mean, if we're going real, it's flat out like whoever says yes first get him, which I think <laughs> like it's. I mean, that's why like right now the first priority is going to be Paul George, right? You just you you explore the Paul George stuff. If you can do it, you do it right now, and then you move on to the next guy. Yeah, poor thing is, like, uh, yeah, there's and, no and chance. LeBron. There's like no chance that they would that they would uh, bite on whatever Houston can offer. But if they did, oh, that fit would be unbelievable. Yeah. Porzingis would be perfect in Houston. LeBron uh, would be pretty great too, and, and Kevin. Yeah, they're pretty great too. Well, and he's not getting shopped. <laughs> LeBron ain't getting shopped though. <laughs> I can't believe the Knicks are that bad. I can't believe Phil Jackson is that bad. Uh, so yeah, uh, I guess my order then is Paul George, then Chris Paul, then uh, then play. Green then uh Paul Millsap. then Paul Millsap, I guess yeah yeah Man. I mean it's it's hard, it's hard to necessarily disagree with that order um the difficult situation is like the Rockets don't necessarily have the assets to get a Paul George yet uh, maybe they can get some some more first rounders or um, some better first rounders uh, through via, via trade but um, they don't have it currently. It's going to be really interesting to see how they construct a trade. Um, you know, on the on the low post podcast, like I remember uh, Zach Lowe talking about how, how you know if you put together a package of Sam Decker, Eric Gordon, a couple of first rounders, is that enough, right? Like, and I'm not sure if it necessarily is. Like, I honestly think the best trade chip the Rockets have at this point is Clint Capella, because I mean, if you're talking about a promising young player um, who's still not in his prime yet um, and really, really athletic. Re- Really, really gifted can switch, um, and in this in this NBA, switching from big men is really valuable. Um, like I just think like he's probably the best asset the Rockets have outside of James Harden, of course, right? Like um, obviously that Eric Gordon contract's really attractive, but I mean, like if you're trying to construct a package for a superstar, I have I have a hard time believing the first asking price isn't um, Clint Capella. I, I I just I just think that's what that's what teams are going to ask for. Yeah, they are, but like for Paul George in particular, and this one in particular, not in general, but th- this situation in particular, your deal just has to be better than everybody else's, right? And and that's what's different because you have you're competing with teams like Boston, uh, who have a load of first round draft picks, uh, a, a whole bunch of good contracts like Jay Crowder, Avery Bradley, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, it, it's really difficult to compete with that, especially if Boston is serious about getting Paul George, and that's what, that's what's really frustrating. But to me. are they? Yeah, yeah. I really don't know, and that's what's really frustrating. Like they're sitting on this load of assets, and I really don't mind them being patient. But I, I wish they would kind of. I mean, it, it doesn't benefit them too, but I, I wish they would kind of leak a little bit more. Like I, I, I wish like we we had a pretty good gauge as to how interested they were in these guys. Um, you had Markel Fultz for you at number one by far. Uh, the consensus best player in the draft, and you trade him away to Philadelphia in a in a in a ball movement offense uh, to be, to play with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid or and and to Dario Saric and have an up and coming team. I mean, you tell me if that was the right move to make because I don't think so. I think you draft a point guard, well, somebody who's big enough to run the offense and play alongside Isaiah, and you go from there. Well, I mean- and. It's the right yeah. move um, if we look ahead two years from now, right? And we we have no idea if it's the right move yet, right? Because we have we have no idea how good Markel Fultz is, and that's the big issue, right? How 
if Markel Fultz is, is as good as be, is being projected, and if he's if he becomes a superstar, I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean that's that's a mistake. Um, but if if the if the Celtics are using this to leverage and get another get and get and actually go for that superstar, then you know maybe you can justify losing out on Markel Fultz, right? Um, if you're gonna team up, uh, you know, with Paul George and you know Isaiah Thomas and you know and you still have Al Horford, I mean, that's a pretty sizable you know. Team to go up against the to go up against the Cavaliers. I still don't think that's enough, but I mean, that's a pretty good start. And we just don't know, right? Like I, I feel like we won't know how good this deal is up until you know two years from now, right? Like same thing with the Andrew Wiggins deal. We didn't know how good Kevin Love for Andrew Wiggins was until like now. Like now we understand that that was absolutely the right deal to do, right? Um, it's it's just difficult to know with these trading first rounders, right? Uh, same thing with the Brooklyn deal, trading all those Brooklyn picks for. Um, for Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce. Now we know it's a bad deal. At the time, it was pretty hard to gauge. Um, it, it's it's really difficult to know with these first rounders. That's, that's what I would say. Yeah, that yeah. sounds right. I don't know <laughs> what to say. <laughs> so, um, the last news item on the docket: uh, the salary cap uh, has been. It has we have a new estimate for salary cap. It, uh, it seems like it's going to be ninety nine million dollars, um, and that's pretty significant from pretty significantly down from where it was before. Uh, two years ago, it was one hundred eight million dollars, then it became one hundred two million dollars. Now it's not ninety nine million dollars, and that's three million less dollars the Rockets were expecting expecting to spend, right? And now, I, if you're talking about from a Rocket standpoint. You pretty much have to move Eric Gordon or Ryan Anderson if you're planning on making max level space. Like that's not an option anymore. Before you could see a situation where the Rockets were going to move Lou Williams, Tre- uh, Trevor Ariza, Patrick Beverly, and you can make space and keep those guys. Now it, it's pretty much like if you think you you have uh, the ability to draw one of these max level guys, you're going to have to trade one of these dudes that you, that you just signed last year. And it's going to be interesting to see how the Rockets go ahead, go about finding a partner because. Uh, I can guarantee you that it's going to be really hard to find a partner for Ryan Anderson. That's a big contract. I mean, if you're talking about maybe a team like Brooklyn, because uh, they do seem like they're uh, willing to take on salary cap, as evidenced by their last trade with the Lakers taking on Timoth- Timothy Mozgov's contract, maybe you can find a partner. But, I mean, you're going to have to part way with some assets. Like We're talking draft picks, right? And um, Eric Gordon's a, a different situation. He, his contract's a little bit better. But um, still, I mean, if... If teams know you're trying to clear his cap space for a free agent, I mean, you kind of lose a little bit of leverage, and that's where um, this new estimate is gonna is gonna hurt the Rockets significantly in in their efforts to sign a max player. It hurts a lot of teams. It hurts 29 teams, in fact. Yeah. The only team that you want to be right now is the one who doesn't need to add anybody uh, in the off season. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, this is pretty. It's pretty grim news for most of the league. Uh, it's definitely going to put a damper on everybody. Like, I think it's ups the chances that nobody really wants to move anybody or change teams at all, which would be the most boring outcome of this summer. But we might be looking at it. Yeah, I agree. Um, any last any last closing thoughts before we hang up here? Please let tomorrow be exciting, which is to say, please let there be trades. <laughs> what about you, Ali Khan? Uh, I, 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 think, I think let's not be surprised if we see a trade tomorrow with the Rockets. Um, would not be surprised at all. I think it all comes down to all the dominoes that play. I think people are reporting the Paul George trade, um, that 
the Pacers could be finalizing something tonight uh, for artificial deadline tomorrow. I think I think the Paul George trade will be the first domino of many things that happen. People want to see how that works out. Do the Lakers get him if that happens? Then what goes from there? Um, I think these two trades that happen with Philadelphia with the point guard situation and stuff like that, I think that really opens up the market for for the Rockets to be competitive for guys like George Hill and Kyle Lowry. Um, so, you know, let's see what happens tomorrow. I think if you see a trade like Paul George, if you see a Mavericks team trade Wesley Matthews to the Minnesota Timberwolves, I think that opens up a larger market for the Rockets to get involved in free agency. Yeah, uh, my last closing thought, if you're a guy who makes up these like fake watch accounts, like you're a tool. Like you're an absolute <laughs> tool. Like I, I, I just got faked out by a Porzingis trade here uh, by a fake watch account. Like, what do you have to do with your life if this is if this is what's exciting you? If this is what's bringing you stimulation? Like making these fake accounts. Like I, I don't know. That, that, that really bugged me for a second. But yeah, um, <laughs> if if you're a guy with these fake, if you're a guy who makes these consistently fake Mark Stein accounts, fake you know zach low accounts or whatever like you're just a tool that, that's my closing thoughts you, you're a tool uh, and that's yeah it's totally fair yeah i i think it is uh so uh we're gonna close out here before news breaks and we're on the and we have to talk about it uh I, we've talked about it long enough uh so yeah guys subscribe to the podcast on itunes google play and stitcher give us a good rating on itunes if you enjoy the podcast um we'll, we're gonna be doing a lot of these podcasts like emergency podcasts of news breaks right um today was especially special because we had like a crap load of news items but um hopefully uh it's a little less uh jarring the amount of stuff we have to do next time um and yeah guys good night builds 5g like verizon builds 5g because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in america and the more you do with 5g the more building it right matters the more your network matters the more verizon engineers going the extra mile matters it's us pushing us it's verizon versus verizon 5g built right from america's most reliable network most reliable based on rankings from root metrics second half 2020 u.s report of three mobile networks results may vary award is not an endorsement